Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. And we are here with our penultimate look back at this month in death metal. We are going to be looking at um, two of the one shots as well as death metal number six. And we're going to start with death metal, the last stories of the DC universe. Uh, I want to quickly just go through the creative teams for this because there's a bunch of them. But the uh, sort of main story here is written by Joshua Williamson, James Tynion IV, and Scott Snyder. Travis Moore is the artist, and uh, I guess we'll go through the creative teams as we go through the issue. Um, so this issue is built around this this framing device of it's the last night before the battle that we're going to see in Death Metal 6 and 7, and so we're, we're checking in on the various characters on their last night, theoretically, on Earth. Um I'll go through the stories individually in a second, but what did you guys overall think of this uh, this issue? I really liked it. I think um, it had so much heart. It had a lot of heart that, um, you know, I think death metal really needed. And um, and it's, it's another one of these death metal tie-ins that is probably better than the main series itself which i which i am enjoying like i don't want to make it sound like i'm not legitimately enjoying the main series but like man the the, the best stuff the really good nuggets have been in some of these tie-ins zach yeah this was delightful i enjoyed really every story in this um the art was really good. Um, this is like, this is this is good DC Comics to me. And yeah, like Vince said, this is another case of I think the tie-ins exceeding the the main story um, in a lot of ways. So I I really liked this a lot. Yeah, I I I I was told about this issue before I read this issue by by my two pals on the podcast here. And um, they were like, this is Brian Nip. Brian's going to love this, blah, blah, blah. And for the most part, I really enjoyed this issue quite a bit. I didn't love the Titans framing device as much as I would have suspected I would have liked it. Um, not that I thought it was bad by any means. It was just... I, I felt like it tried to cram in every possible Titans character without giving them all that much to do which again like it's fine it's just um i feel like every couple of years there's a scene between the original teen titans there's one i remember from uh i want to say it was the blackest night titans miniseries where they're gathered at at the time titans tower had like a monument gallery outside of it that had like statues of all the dead titans. Do you guys remember this scene? Vaguely. Yeah. yeah. It was Dick as Batman and and it was Wally as the Flash and it was Donna and maybe I think Tempest was dead at that point. So I don't think it, he, I don't think Tempest he, was there. He bit it. He bit it like right before Blackest Night happened. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. 
because I specifically remember buying the, like, there was, like, an issue of Titans that tied into Blackest Night, and I was really excited because I thought Tempest looked really cool and was going to play a big role in Blackest Night, and he got killed off in that issue. <laughs> uh, and I, I want to say probably Roy was in that issue was in that issue as well that I'm thinking of. Um, but, yeah, so th this kind of felt similar to that. I did like the extent to which they, they really played up all of the different Titans teams. Um I mean, we got images of like they even they put the, the Ray Palmer Titans. Yeah, the, the 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 horrible Dan Jurgens Ray Palmer Titans, um, the the recent Dan Abnett Titans, the recent Teen Titans, the um, the Jeff Johns era of Teen Titans, the New Fifty Two Teen Titans with with Bunker who shows up a couple in a couple different panels here. Uh -huh. The you know, and then we get there's there's one panel of even like the late 60s early 70s when it got real wacky with the lineup mm -hmm. um like it, 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 they, I mean, they even brought the defiance characters from deathstroke in here like and i know that that's yeah that was uh, fun like that's technically not a teen titans team but deathstroke is such a teen titans character that like you know that makes total sense to me i i, yeah. I really enjoyed it i enjoyed this conceptually a whole lot i i just thought that the story could have done a little bit more i guess but that's okay. You wanted 80 pages of Titans shenanigans. <laughs> yes, always. Always. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I think you make a fair point, but I think in this particular in this particular case, I think the the cramming in of all the characters was the point. And that doesn't that doesn't make it a good story necessarily, but it makes it to to me it was just very satisfying to pour over. And and I did I think the I did think the story beats that they snuck in there like the wally stuff and the the roy uh tom king hat tip um <laughs> was was that that thing <laughs> yeah. the roy thing is fucked up we're gonna talk about that at the end of the issue yeah um... <laughs> but i thought i thought that stuff was handled as well as it could considering uh all the different stories where that stuff comes from and sure and has sure. led to this uh, I can't believe that was in this issue. Yeah, I know. Uh, two things about about this that I want to say before we move on. The first is that there was an interview with James Tynion the other day about um, so the the new one shot. Uh, what's it called? I remember Infinite um, Frontier. Infinite Frontier, and he said that he has been the one who's been taking the lead on a lot of these uh, death metal one shots, and so it appears that he wrote this this story um mm -hmm. like i know it's credited to him and tiny and and snyder but it seems like this is more of his thing than anybody else's thing which i, I think tracks with his style of writing i don't think that's all that surprising um but the other thing i wanted to say is that i i, I think it's it's worth discussing for a minute why we think dc felt the need to shine a spotlight on the titans right now like what about this screamed out for the titans for to you guys well, I think it's it's clearly, and I actually think Scott Snyder or maybe even Williamson, one of them said said this exactly. But I but I had that this thought while I was reading it. It's clearly the thing that is most paying off on the promise of rebirth and tying up some of those threads. You know, mm -hmm. actually, all the stories in this thing do that in in one way or another. I think um, we'll get to talk about uh, Green <clears throat> Green Arrow and Black Canary and uh aquaman you know um 
but the the legacy i mean the titans are the legacy of the dc universe and i think like that is what people were clamoring for more than anything else with rebirth bringing wally back he was the centerpiece of that i i think that's the inspiration for this the inspiration is just paying off on that rebirth stuff before you get to whatever the next phase is um cuz 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 honestly they We've talked about this. They had a two two year plan for rebirth, and obviously things change. And it kind of went from rebirth into this Snyder Justice League status quo. Without re- and it's not Snyder's fault or anybody or anything. Any you know, it's not his fault that it went this way. But like that stuff never really got paid off on, you know, in a satisfying way. Not even not even through Doomsday Clock. I, I still feel like there was work to be done, and and this is kind of making good on that. Zach, do you have a different opinion, or do you agree with that? No, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean the Wally, the Wally thing is like kind of the crux of this, but also a lot of the a lot of the stories in this, like Vince said, play into that too. But, um, but yeah, no, I agree. I think it's wild that. I don't know if this is a Williamson thing or a DC thing or a Snyder thing or what, but I think it's wild that they feel like they have to tie up those loose ends because they feel like in every single event we've ever seen, we've seen loose ends not tied up. Like not events in like like there was so much stuff hinted at throughout the New Fifty Two that just got dropped, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens all the time. And so I think it's interesting that they wanted to put a pin in Rebirth this way. And I wonder if that makes if that's a unique thing or not. It seems unique to me, but maybe I'm forgetting other things. I don't know. Well, I think honestly, I think that's because uh, things like the New Fifty Two were editorially driven in a way that where fans weren't necessarily asking for a lot of that stuff, whereas fans were and have been and still are asking continually for redemption for Wally legacy. It's a thing that it's a thing that, you know, whether DC wants to go in that direction or not, whether, whether editorial has that in their minds or not, it's the thing that I think fan pressure, it's probably the thing they hear the most about. And that's not a reason to do something. Like, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, it's like how the Snyder Cut people won, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like that. But it is a thing that they've no doubt heard. Right? And so I think, yeah, there's storylines that get dropped all the time. But I would guess it's mostly things that editorial or certain writers want to accomplish that then get sacrificed for other things. And I think that everybody involved with this just realizes that, look, there's more external pressure about this than any other thing that we do at this company, really. Um, I I also kind of think that the people who are sort of like driving things creatively right now care more about that resolution than, say, like Scotty Lobdell did. Yes. Yes. Yes, I think you nailed it. I think I think Snyder has said as much. He 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 talks about how um with death metal we wanted to honor not only what Jeff Johns was doing but what everybody was doing 
you know, and, and kind of bring it to a head. And so I, I don't think that ever left their minds, you know. Um, I think this is the I think this is the clearest case of that. I think this is ultimate, you know, Death Metal Seven will show us kind of where we're going from here, but I think this issue more than any any other in Death Metal so far is like the capstone for that idea. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, well, let's get to the other stories. So the first story is called Last Nights. It is by Jeff Lemire and Raphael Albuquerque. It is a uh, Hal Jordan story, but also a Sinestro story. We see Hal and Sinestro meet in something that is, is called the Valley of the Rainbow Rings. Is this something we've ever seen before? It was on the map. The map. Yeah. Right, but but is it is it the, we've never seen it in a comic before though, right? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Um, and Sinestro basically asks Hal if he can play Green Lantern one more time, and uh, he rings up and changes into his uh, Green Lantern costume and theory. And so it's, I guess we're gonna see him fighting as a Green Lantern in these next couple issues, maybe. I thought this story was just okay. This is one of my least favorite in the issue. Um, did you guys uh, disagree with that or, or what? I've still got a soft spot for dumb Sinestro stuff. So, I I mean, and the fact that it was drawn by Raphael Albuquerque didn't hurt it. So, I, I was fine on this. Like, I, it wasn't much of anything, but it also kind of made me like, this pump a little bit, I guess. I don't know. It was fine. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty good for what it was. Like, um, with the heroes and villains teaming up, if you had to pick a couple characters to do a, a, a story like this, I thought that, you know, th- these were the, the right two to pick. I think there was heart there. Um, there's heart in all of these stories, really, and uh, I think I I really think there was a concerted effort to by the writers of this to be like, let's focus more on just making this like heartfelt and and kind of uh, real in honoring the relationship between these characters, and I think Lemire nailed it, and I think the Albuquerque art looks great. Um, it actually made me think for like half a second, like. I wonder if Jeff Lemire could write Greenland. I know he's. I know he's not gonna. I know Jeffrey Thorne is, and Lemire probably has no uh, intentions of really writing any uh, mainline DC stuff anytime soon again. But uh, it did make me think, like mm, that's that's something I wouldn't mind seeing. I mean, th- this was fine. I-, I think that this, this, and there's two other stories in this book that I feel like if you had described the plot to me, I'd have liked it more than what I actually got story-wise here. Um, though the Albuquerque art is so dope. I, I love his art. I just felt that this story was a little bit uh, undercooked. But that's okay. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It was fine for what it was. Um, all right, so that brings us to a, a story called The Question that does not involve The Question. It involves uh, Wonder Woman. And uh, we see her with uh, Hippolyta and with the freaking Riddler of all people, as, as and also a um, 
like an alt universe Donna Troy. Uh, this is written by uh, Mariko Tamaki and illustrated by Daniel St. Pierre. This was also one of my least favorite stories in the issue. Um, I just felt like this was this was there wasn't anything new we learned about Wonder Woman, or there wasn't an emotional payoff here. It was just um, to me, it just seemed like a uh, an excuse to just remind us how badass Wonder Woman is. But we already knew that. What do you guys think of the story? I kind of I kind of felt the same way. Like uh, you know, it was it was just fine. You're right. We didn't learn anything new. Um, I thought the the Riddler, the Riddler being involved in kind of having this pep talk with Diana or whatever, um, was an interesting angle. And then it didn't really pay off. Yep. Um, like I, I didn't really buy that they would have that conversation necessarily. And so I guess this just keep this this extends the streak of like me not really uh, jiving with what Tamaki is doing with Wonder Woman, which is weird because I'm just I'm a huge fan of her writing, but just again another Wonder Woman story that's like I don't quite get this one. Yeah, same. I I don't really have much to add. I I agree though. Yeah, just. Uh... And and she's such an important character in death metal. I think that makes this feel even less consequential somehow. But that's okay. Moving right along, we get uh, one of my favorite stories in the issue, which is uh, called Dust from a... Hang on, I, my notes are very sloppy. My hand right here. Dust from a distant storm. Dust of a different storm. Uh, and this is a... Uh, a an Oliver Queen uh Diana Lance story. This is a very, very sweet love story between Green Arrow and uh and Black Canary, written by Gail Simone, illustrated by Megan Hetrick. I love Megan Hetrick's art here. I think it's really good. The the two of them come into contact with a uh an, an alternate version of their fiction of their daughter that doesn't exist on this earth. And um that type of a meeting can be played up really dumbly in some comics. And I think that Simone walked the tightrope here. There were moments where I thought she was going to fall into the rut row category, but I think more or less she nails this. I, I think you get a really good sense of who Dinah and Ollie are as people. And as a couple here, I, I thought this was a really, really nice story. Yeah, I agree. I like this one a lot. Um, the art was good. It was fun. Um, Gloom Patrol, that was good. Um, yeah, I miss like good Ollie Dinah stuff, and I, I hope we get that in Justice League moving forward. I guess we haven't talked about that since it was announced, but the the Bendis Justice League is going to have. Um, Ollie and Dinah on it. Um, Ollie is supposedly the leader of that team. Yeah, which is very cool. Um, yes, it is. So good to see them getting a focus again. I really did enjoy the the Ben Percy run that really focused on them a lot. Um, but that was years ago now, which is wild. Um, and fun. One last fun side note. Uh, it seems 
very likely that this uh that this daughter was from Earth 11 because um it shows her parents and they're gender swapped and it, they mention at on on Helena um who uh I I'm pretty sure we know from that holiday one shot that Helena Wayne is Batman right now. No, it's not. It's no, Kane. But... It's the Kane, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh but still seems seems like Earth 11 with the gender swap. Earth 11's getting a lot of play lately. Yeah. yeah. Uh which is good. Not a bad thing. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, I love this. This is probably my favorite story in the thing. Um and it's we've talked about this on the show before but like Gail Simone's really good. And yes. I wouldn't mind her getting another book post future state. I I don't know what it would be. I don't think it would be this because like 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 we said it's that's going to probably be a Bendis thing, but wow, but it'd be great if they had a solo though. It would be great. It would be great, but you know, whatever. I, I just think she I, she gets these characters really well. She gets DC extremely well. She's super talented. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see her get another book here sometime soon. But um, she should um she should write the Earth Eleven Ollie and Dinah book. Yeah, absolutely. It, what's interesting about Simone is that it's been a long time since she got a book that didn't seem like. Her job was to try and, like, um, basically tread lightly through dangerous waters. Like, she was the one who had to write Barbara Gordon as Batgirl for the first time after she was Oracle for all those years. And people were very mm-hmm. pissed that, that they were, we were losing Steph Brown and, and, Cass, and Cass Kane and all these characters that had been Batgirl for a while to get her back. And I feel like Simone was... A, a very thoughtful choice because everybody recognized how respectful she is of DC history. And so she could, she could, you know, thread that needle well. And then she was also paired up with Ethan Van Skyver to try and like <laughs> salvage that shitty um, Firestorm book. And then she had to retcon that secret six book that had Ralph Dibney in it. Like mm-hmm. and all of these were thankless jobs. Didn't she do the movement too? Yeah, 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 yeah. She had, she, she just had these thankless DC jobs, and I, I'm not surprised that she has taken her talents elsewhere for the most part lately. But I, but I, I'm with you, Vince. I think, I think that she would be a great person to utilize. It, 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 I don't know on what book right now, but she does, she does deserve another book. Um, so that brings us to Whale Fall, written by Christopher Sabella and illustrated by Chris Mooneyham. Two creators i genuinely really enjoy and it pains me to say what a snooze this story was yeah it's not great yeah i mean it, it is what it is it's just uh yeah R- writing a letter to to his daughter before the big battle like yeah i get it makes sense why it's why it's here I get the emotional strings it's trying to go for, but but it is executed in the in kind of a snoozy way, like like you like you said. This also seems to confirm that Dan Abnett is out at DC because why wouldn't Dan Abnett write this story? 
Well, why would he though? Yeah, why would he? He hasn't. They're bringing not... back all the like rebirth people to to finish out their stories. I feel like this is his story. Or or no, Kelly they're Sue. not. What what are you talking about? I, I feel like Kelly Kelly Sue is the glaring one here because this almost feels like an end cap to her run, really. Right. Thematically, um, so. I was surprised she didn't write it. I didn't mean rebirth creators, Vince. I meant like rebirth characters, like bringing back all the, all like the major plots of rebirth to sort of close them out. Sure, but none of the other original writers of the rebirth stuff were on those either. So, but to, but like we know Ben Percy is doing X books, right? We know he's gone. We know what. Um, I, I mean, I, I think they were just afraid if they gave uh, Peter Tomasi Superman that he would have. Dig up another corpse or something, um, <laughs> you know. So I, it just feels to me like if if they're going with safe, reliable writers, which is the case in this book, and I, I don't mean that as a negative. I mean that you know, just people who are going to deliver an emotional punch. I feel like Kelly Sue or Abnett make make this make the most sense here. Sure. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to like this way more than I did. So, uh, again, sorry, Sabella and Mooneyham. I think you're both very cool creators, just not not here. Um, then we get the Bat Family story, which features, weirdly, all the Bat members except for Tim Drake, who's mentioned but never shown. <laughs> uh, this, I don't know... <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, he's finishing up a hand of cards. He'll be here later and then never shows up, which to me, maybe I'm wrong. I kind of feel like Andolfo just forgot to draw Tim. <laughs> maybe, yes. Uh, this and is... so they had to just write him out. <laughs> this is written by Cecil Castellucci, illustrated by Mirka Andolfo. Uh, I think aside from that, I really enjoyed this story. Uh not surprisingly, a story where Batman, by the power vested in him by no one, marries Dick and Babs. I'm going to eat that shit up all the time. That rocks, yeah. That's... That was really good. Yeah. Like, I love when Batman has a bit of a sense of humor. Um, yes. It's sorely needed. And the Dick and Babs stuff was just so sweet in this issue. So sweet. I, lo I love the way that that was written. Um I think it was it was written almost like a very like playful back and forth. It was very like um it was very theater, I felt. Like between two characters in like a a, a dramatic play or something, you know. There was a little bit of drama to their like they were Babs was very much like stringing him along is not the right phrase, but like you, you know like oh we can't do this, you know and yeah. Oh, but you want to, you know, like just, it. It just felt like, like a song forth. from a musical. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Did you did you notice that Babs is wearing her Burnside outfit, and not that dumb uh, Sean Gordon Murphy one? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I find it very interesting that Cecil Castellucci is the one who wrote this, because I don't think any of us were particularly enamored with her Batgirl. And she seems to nail the characters here way better than she did in Batgirl. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I feel like something happened with that Batgirl run that just... Maybe it was Dick Grayson getting shot in the head and became Rick Grayson. <laughs> I think that probably has... Yes. 
Rick Grayson. Good God. Yeah. I I did like the one line that Jason has too. He says, I have to go see a woman about a gun. Uh, And (laughs) and Bruce says like, of course you do or something like that. It was just, it was a, it was nice. It was, it was a well done little segment there. Um, and then we get the, uh, the triumphant return of Mark Wade to DC comics in a story called Man of Tomorrow, written by Wade, illustrated by Francis Manipal. Guys, this might be the best Superman story in, like, a decade. <laughs> I, I it, love it, this. It, it, it is in that it is almost kind of just like an issue of All-Star Superman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Conceptually, um, but it rocks because of that. Yes. This was so good. Yeah. And the fact that Mark Wade isn't writing the uh, Superman books... It's making me very, very sad. It's weird. Um, I wonder I, I, if he I, has something coming in a few months. He's either got something coming or or he priced himself out for the time being. Mm. You know, because there were those rumors, and, and taken with a grain of salt, that DC was going to spend less money on creative talent right. in the foreseeable future. Um, what if he has like a Alex Ross Titans black label book or something coming out? That's the other, I could, I could totally see him being a black label guy. Alex Ross recently talked a bunch of shit about DC, so that's not happening. Okay. Well, that's fine. Sans Alex Ross, which is fine. I mean, I would rather him without Alex Ross. Yeah. There was just that rumor going around. That's why I mentioned that. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's perfectly fine. But I could see him being a black label guy, a hundred percent. See, I, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. But I feel like he's just his whole dream has been to write action comics, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think at some point DC has to make that happen. You know who is on the cover? Oh boy, of Infinite Frontier. Are you going to wild out? President Superman, he's on there. Yeah, he is. He is on there. Who else, Zach? That's who I was saying. That's who I was alluding to. Yeah. I I, I read you, buddy. Do you you think he's going to write a President Superman book? That would be weird, but amazing. That would be be some strange... It'd be a weird choice. It'd be a weird choice. It's Uh, a weird choice on both sides. What if he did Justice Incarnate, though? And I hope you got my reference. (laughs) That'll be one for the smart listeners. What was that? What was that book that he did? Strange Fruit. Oh, okay. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't hear you say that, but I thought that's what you were alluding to. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a problem. It was weird. Um, But if it gets JG Jones back at DC, (laughs) well, (laughs) shut up! Shut up! Shut up! (laughs) Parody satire, parody satire. Let's move along. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'd love to be back. This is all I'm going to say. Now. <laughs> Mark Wade and J.G. Jones on a Justice, Justice Incarnate book is like absolutely my god the ghoul. <laughs> you, had, you said in print at multiversitycomics.com that you want Juan Gideon to draw that book. I did say that. That's right. I did say that. I mean, they'll need Phil. J.G. Jones can't do the, the whole thing. He'll do the first arc, and then Gideon will take over. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll allow it. 
All right, then we get the capstone here from the Titans again. We see the reconciliation between Donna and Wally, which sort of represents Wally's acceptance back into the hero community. Um, then we see Black Lantern, resurrected zombie, uh, Roy Harper, who's talking like he's a normal dude. <laughs> which I, I know the I know that the the Black Lanterns didn't weren't just like brain zombies, but this just this is this is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, as pointed out by I, I forget which of you guys pointed it out initially, but uh, he well is, it was a tweet it was a tweet somebody uh, saw okay oh, okay um I couldn't remember if it was if it was a tweet somebody saw or if it was a farmers only post by Vince, um but it's <laughs> the 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 picture of Basically, Roy is tipping his hat to Wally, being like, "I guess we cool," but it's the exact position. It's it, it's the exact framing and position of Tom King's Twitter avatar. <laughs> like everything about it is exactly the same. Yeah. How do you really even read nice that? Touch. The metatextual. Oh. I mean, I know how I read it. They they, they just keep doing windmill dunks on <laughs> yeah. Tom King Tom King's non uh, twelve issue prestige stuff. Yeah. I'm sure they all love and respect his like prestigious uh, miniseries. Batman and Heroes in Crisis stuff, and have been. Yeah, but so the 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 final page of this issue is basically every Titans character they could fit on panel all <laughs> running into battle together. Uh, all it's game master, Anthony Titans. Yes, it is. Um, including game master Brian. Yeah. <laughs> in, including an even paler, even more zombified Roy. Yeah. Um, he, he looks like, uh, I don't even know what in that in that big group shot, but <laughs> what I find interesting is that um, Wally is a major part of the Flashbook coming out of uh, I almost said coming out of Rebirth. My goodness, coming out of Future State, and it mentions like that Roy is still dead. I thought they were going to basically reset most of the deaths after after Death Metal. I kind of would have expected that too. That's weird. Because I feel like they can't keep Roy dead forever. That's just, that's not going to, it's comics, it doesn't happen. And I feel like it was a controversial death, and this would be the perfect opportunity to undo that. Mm-hmm. So it's weird they didn't. Yeah, unless there's, so, I, yeah, I don't know. That is weird. I also wonder, though, if we're ever going to see, like, um, the equivalent of uh, another Earth's Roy coming here. Mm. And, and being the Roy of of Prime Earth or whatever they call it from now on, sure. Um, essentially, the landfill gag from uh, from Beer Fest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it because, um, not that I want that. I don't mind when this happens, but I do think it's very funny that like every event that's supposed to be the perfect opportunity to kind of set things right and 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 reset the deck always leaves one or two of those things behind right yeah like coming out of dc rebirth everyone was like oh that's great we're gonna get wally stories again and then like 
literally are still dealing with the fall. For a few months, and then <laughs> before they like put him on ice again, basically. And you'd think at at with an event like this where they're like, you know, we're we're bringing everybody back. It's the game master Anthony thing. No, they have to leave one or two things in there that 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 reminds you of what happened in the last five years going forward you know it's the crisis on infinite earths like leaving a character who remembers what things were like before when that's really your opportunity for a clean break you know it would be really funny if they brought alfred back (laughs) i would hate it oh so would i that one i that one i would hate that's yeah yeah, that's bad just, just just do it just go with what you got they are going to bring him back, though, aren't they? At some point. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's going to be weird. They should have Roy be the new Psycho Pirate for some reason. Don't I don't even care why or if it makes <laughs> sense. Just him wearing that mask with the stupid trucker hat. God, that's a cursed image. <laughs> well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to go through Death Metal number six page by page, so stay tuned. Hey! We're Panels in Motion, a monthly podcast where we read a comic, watch its movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. We focus on a wide variety of non-superhero comics. One month will be an American independent comic like The Mask or Kingsman. The next will be a European comic like Persepolis or Tintin. And the next will be a Japanese manga like Lone Wolf and Cub or Silent Voice. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm a cinematographer. So we all have different perspectives on why an adaptation might or might not work. We're also a show where a discussion of Middle East education or the sexual revolution can take place alongside a discussion of the pros and cons of Jim Carrey's face. There is truly something for everyone. So check us out. Go subscribe to Panels in Motion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And follow us at Panels in Motion on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. And to walk us through Death Metal 6, here's Vince. Oh, boy. Okay. Death Metal 6, uh, written by Scott Snyder, art from Greg Capullo, uh, inks by Jonathan Glapian, colors from FCO Placencia, and letters from Tom Napolitano. I, I feel like we should mention everybody on this one because um, I don't think we've done that to this point. That's true. Um, that's that's yeah. poor form on our part. Yeah. Edited by Marie Javins, don't you know? Um, okay. Uh, so on page one... We see uh, the Batman Who Laughs zombie army kind of amassing, um, and the the heroes are getting the heroes and the villains are getting. So the 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 hero team is the heroes and the villains. So anytime I say the heroes, it also includes the villains. Can we just get that out of the way? Sure. So, so I don't have to keep saying heroes and villains. Um, so the the zombie army is amassing. Uh, Lex has a little line here about how he envies uh, Clark's gorgeous mane of yep, hair, yep. Um, which I like. I don't know about you guys, but I like that. That's I can dig that. Um, okay, and then on the next page, um, the heroes have their army too, but they're talking about how it's outnumbered. Um, Bruce and Clark are reasoning that uh, this is everything that the Batman who laughs has, and so that he has no army in reserves. So this is their chance to give their all. Basically what that means is Bruce apparently 
resurrects what I assume is the original Batman who laughs. Yeah. Is that what that's that how was? I read that? That's how I read that. Yeah. I read it yeah. the exact same way. Yes. This is the okay. corpse of the like pre ascended Batman who laughs. Yeah. The pre darkest night. Yes. Batman who laughs, which is just wild and, wild, and not explained not a, at all. Not, a, that was what I was going to say. Like, just totally brushed over, you know, like they didn't even really make it the focus of that page or panel at all. Really. Um, he just kind of takes him out of a suitcase. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, it's yeah, but okay. It is what it is. Um, meanwhile, wonder woman and Lobo are heading down this like tunnel or channel or something that will take them to the world forge. Because if you remember in the last, issue um wonder woman was tasked with taking the journal of carter hall to the world forge and uh creating some machine or mechanism that lex luthor uh figured out would help them reset reset the earth or whatever or channel i don't even remember it's a MacGuffin, right like yeah it's supposed to channel anti-crisis energy through her or something like that um, I'm sure we will learn what it's supposed to do as, as we go. Um, the, the path is uh, dark along the way, and it's kind of freaking Lobo out. Uh, it's weird to see the main man freaking out uh, about the dark, but that's fine. Um, then all of a sudden, out of the darkness, these like shadow creatures start attacking the two of them. And um, they're apparently the animated fear uh that comes from the world dark multiverse world forge thing fear of the batman who laughs manifested in these like shadow creatures to me they reminded me most of all of the the crisis on infinite earths shadow creatures very much so yes that act yeah that acted like a mini boss during that event um all right so as that's happening, the Batman who laughs and uh, Perpetua are continuing to fight and they're kind of larger than life. Lots of like Kirby, Kirby dots behind them and they're, and they're battling among the planets. Um, Perpetua's losing. She, she tries to make a deal with, with, uh, with the darkest night, but he's not buying it. Um, Perpetua talks about how without her, ability to manipulate or have control over this universe the hands will become aware she's protecting the universe basically um and without that the hands will become aware of what has been going on and they will just come and destroy everything and so they will all be done away with um the batman who laughs kind of hopes that that's what happens uh so then we get a sprawling he doesn't care if they cancel they cancel all all life. That's wild. Yep. Um, we then we see some sprawling double pages of uh, all the different heroes and villains fighting um, the Darkest Knight's army. Some really great stuff here from Capullo, I think, where he gets to draw a lot of the. Anytime you get these double pagers with all the all the different characters, it's makes it feel very eventy. Um, we go back to Lobo. And Diana fighting these shadow creatures, and Lobo's doing the thing where he's like, "I'll take him on. You go, you go do your thing." And Diana's like, "I'm not letting you. I'm not letting you stay here and die." That 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 classic chestnut, right? Um, 
She doesn't want to leave him behind. Um, at at this point, one of the shadow creatures appears to steal the journal or like knock the journal out of her hands or something, and it tumbles away and she loses it. Um, she's standing over like these fiery pits of what I assume is the forge, and uh, no longer has the journal, so she doesn't know what to do. Um, meanwhile, the dark side. I believe this is the dark side from that final crisis earth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is it, which is interesting because we saw, um, Superboy prime come back with the heroes when they went to the Trinity crisis stuff. But I didn't know, I didn't know that the dark side from the final crisis earth was coming too. Well, that also seems like the Mobius baby anti-monitor baby from, one of those earths. It is. Yes. yes, you're right. From the Crisis one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's so holding they, the baby. They all three technically came. They all tag along. Um, and he's he's saying a lot of stuff about how it's you know, it, all is lost. You just have to let the destruction happen. There's nothing you can do at this point. Uh, being a real negative Nancy, I would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, the Batman who laughs brings. She, fighting Perpetua still uh, brings fragments from the source wall, which was Perpetua's former prison, and it basically smashes the rub, smashes her with the rubble, covers her with it, as sort of like a rubbing salt in the wound type thing. Um, gives this little speech about how, um, you know, when whenever gods interfere with man, it's always, it's always under the guise of them saving these like wayward creatures that they've created or that they lord over um but that that really the humans or the people on earth are monsters that are just waiting to be unleashed not people who want to be saved um i don't know I, that fits with the batman who laughs i guess um uh, but it comes off as just more of his like braggadocious bullshit more than anything um I don't know if I really buy that philosophy. Um, uh, so anyway, um, he's bringing the source wall down on her. Um, meanwhile, the heroes have appeared to beaten back the Darkest Knight's army, um, and things go quiet. Uh, but the reality is that the Batman who laughs himself has arrived um, and brings uh, i guess he did have a reserve army or he reformed his army off panel or something because now all of a sudden he's got an army of the quote-unquote darkest nightmares of all the heroes can i interrupt for this one second here yeah yep uh there's a panel of animal man screaming that it took me like a full minute to realize that wasn't booster gold who i think is dead right now oh yeah i totally thought that was booster you can tell it's because of the orange, like at the bottom of the of the uniform there, okay. the costume. But I, I have no doubt that was drawn as Booster Gold, and they just forgot he was dead. <laughs> when did Booster die? In one of the tie-ins, right? I don't remember. Sure. There was like a bunch of heroes that died in that same issue. I vaguely maybe remember that. I don't know. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> that's all Go yeah sure why not yep <laughs> um all right where was 
was I? Okay, anyway, he's got this uh, army of the hero's darkest nightmares. Um, there's a little nice little panel where where Batman is about to offer Superman a, a kind of a reaffirmation of their friendship, and Superman's like, I I know, brother, I know. That is the most. You know how we say sometimes that artists draw themselves into comics all the time. Uh huh. This is Snyder writing himself into a comic. Snyder calls everybody brother. He's like Hulk Hogan in that way. Oh um, yeah. And so this, right, he does. this is totally Snyder writing himself. And this is this is Capullo saying to Snyder, you know I love you, bud. And Snyder <laughs> saying, I love you too, brother. That's exactly what this is. Aw. <laughs> Wait, which which panel is this that you're talking about? Oh, the the Batman and Superman one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a great yeah, that's a great catch. Um and then Superman goes on to make another uh rallying speech. We've had several rallying speeches from our heroes. Um, to this point, and and here's another one. Uh, meanwhile, back at the forge, Diana figures out what to do. Um, she's having this discussion with Darkseid about, you know, Darkseid believes that, he, you know, a, a single human life is utterly insignificant. She thinks that every individual matters and makes up this greater epic story of history in the universe, and uh, that everybody is bound by love, and that discussion with him makes her realize what she's supposed to do um back to the battlegrounds we see the bat family together and at this point all the characters are doing a chant of one universe uh, which is essentially um become like the rallying cry of death metal and this idea of whatever the post death metal is going to be um, so we see the Bat family in one panel, then we see the Aquaman family, we see the Green Lanterns, and we see the Superman family. Um, as they do this, we see these threads, these like white, wispy threads creeping onto the battlefield and, and kind of covering them. The Joker remarks that he feels something funny, and uh, Dick Grayson agrees. Um, Wonder Woman can at this point, feel all of their histories coming together and weaving into one story. So this is like the un... We saw in the last issue, the untying of these knots that... These knots in history where there's these divergent points in all of these characters' histories um, that they're unfurling at this point. And Darkseid kind of looking on in wonder... Um, Clark at this point remarks that he remembers everything and Wonder Woman then appears on the final page, uh, a completely golden figure at this point. I don't know whether she's wrapped herself in the material of the, the golden lasso or what's going on here, but, uh, she's ready to face the Batman who laughs. And of course she has her chainsaw of truth with her and that's it. There's one big thing you mentioned what you missed i mean what did i miss uh, you missed a certain group of people coming out to side with the heroes oh yes speak on that well i don't really want to <laughs> um <laughs> it's an interesting choice i think okay you know what i'm talking about right I know what you're talking about, but 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 expound on that. 
there is a group of people who visually fit a certain stereotype who are the type of people who we generally expect do not listen to our podcast <laughs> because we've run them off at this point. Kind of with the Proud Boys? Yeah, the Proud Boys basically show up to team up with the heroes. <laughs> it's it, the, What they say is just so weird. Uh, listen, we've picked the wrong team at times, but we're sorry, and we're here to fight with you now. The, these are like the Trump supporters. They're and they're, this is they're comic the, skaters, right? This is yeah. This is like the grand unified theory of we've we've talked about how Snyder's Justice League was a reaction to the 2016 election, mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, at length, and this is this is the resolution to that. I mean, yeah. talk about Game Master Anthony stuff. Like, even the bigots! <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't... I I didn't... The, I guess the reason it wasn't in my notes was because I didn't totally know what was being gone for there. I mean, I'm I'm reading. I'm, I'm, I'm probably reading it into no. it. You're, you're you're absolutely right that that's what this is, but I I guess when I was reading it I was like, it couldn't be that right. <laughs> these are these are these are other characters that like I just don't remember. Like this is this is like a some like Solomon Grundy family I don't remember right. <laughs> but no, you're right. This is uh, this is. Magical thinking on Scott Snyder's part. <laughs> to, to me, the, the the part about this that's really inaccurate is they're not carrying AR-15s. They're carrying like hunting <laughs> rifles. They would have way worse guns with them. Well, that's because, and I don't know who made this choice, but these are basically people from the movie Deliverance. Like, the guy with the axe is... And, the and guy with the Viking helmet. But, yeah, that's that the funniest one. Is, is that... <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be like Alan Moore or something with the big beard there. Well, he's wearing the Viking helmet, and so I thought, like, oh, okay, that's somebody from like Lakeville, Minnesota. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> no offense to anyone from Lakeville. I have I have a friend who lives in Lakeville, and uh, yeah, I give him shit about that. Um, it's a very they're they're all anti-maskers there. They were very proud of their open bar that had like a hundred people in it all crowded together last weekend. Um, anyway, yes, that's very funny because like it's completely, it's completely magical thinking on Snyder's part that like they would join. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If they're if they're reading this comic, they're going they're very insulted by this depiction of them, I would think. I, I don't think it would I think it would go straight over their head. I don't I don't think they would pick up on it at all. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I I thought for sure like, okay, are these like this this is like Smallville characters that I don't remember or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is this is Alexander Luthor and uh, Lana Lang. Yeah, I have no idea. I just couldn't I couldn't make myself think that like 
Oh, he, oh, he's he's inviting the comparison here to to real life, but 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 why not? I mean, at one point in his Justice League run, he literally had Batman say, "The people have voted against us." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah. we were ineffectual for too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've gerrymandered the vote against the superheroes. <laughs> so this, oh. th- this issue, I, I feel like, so usually with these event comics, there's an issue that feels superfluous, but I feel like with death metal, there's been at least two, maybe three issues of the main series that seem superfluous. Yet a bunch of tie-ins that seem to do way more of the heavy lifting. I don't know how I'd be feeling about this event if I was just reading the trade I got from the library or something like that. Yeah, really the only thing that happens in this of note is the Wonder Woman doing her like golden thread of fate thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there really wasn't this issue was missing some of the some of the fun like uh, background details that we could really dig into. So there's there's not a whole lot to talk about, I think. Um and I I'm just glad we get the next issue in what, 2 weeks. 2 weeks, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not, I I'm already confused as to when this episode's coming out, so <laughs> you know. <laughs> So well, you're you're the boss. You you got to figure that out. I, I have to sit down with a calendar tomorrow and then and a slide rule or something and figure this out. So, <laughs> um, but that brings us to to our final issue of the night, which is going to be led by Zach. Oh, man, saving the best for last. Outrageous, just pure Zach nip. Um, so we've got Death Metal Secret Origins. Uh, Written by Scott Snyder and Jeff Johns, featuring art by Jerry Ordway, Francis Manipool, uh, Ryan Benjamin, and Richard Richard Friend, Paul Pelletier, and Norm Ratmond, and those are all of the pencilers. Uh, Hi-Fi, Ian Herring, Rain Barreto, Adriano Lucas, colored. Um, this is the this is the redemption. This is the finale of the epic story of Superboy Prime. Um, who'd have thunk that we would live to see the day? Um, there's never going to be a Superboy Prime story ever again after this. Oh, this is um, it. the last one. This is it. This is the last one. So we open up Even in 1984. Even though it says to be continued on... <laughs> in number seven. Well, no. It, yeah, in number seven. Superboy Prime won't be in that. Okay, we'll see. He won't be. He went to go live his happy life. Um, so we open up in 1984 in, on Earth Prime. Uh, young Clarky Kent is in the in the store reading comics, and uh, some bullies rough him up, but he he's saved by uh, Lori, his uh, future girlfriend, and we we kind of get this um, sort of this recap essentially of of uh, a Superboy Prime. Uh, his life as Clark Kent prior to the events of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, illustrated by Jerry Ordway. Wonderfully classic. Just feels, it looks so good. I love it. Amazing. Oh, um, great. Yeah. Best, some of the best stuff he's drawn in years. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it looks so good. It instantly just like takes you back to that time period. Um, then we flash forward to the present um, in a in a section uh, drawn by Norm. Rand uh, gosh, I was gonna say Norm Ratman because that name is stuck in my head now. Uh, Francis Manipool. Um, basically, none of the super uh, hero, none of the Superman want to let Superboy Prime play in their superman games um because <laughs> he's been so bad um except for crypto crypto um comes up to him and and superboy prime is kind of gruff with him but they, they share a little moment and then um we see the the kind of evil superman that we saw in death metal number six appear and uh superboy prime starts finding them and he notices when he punches them he kind of he alters the reality of the earth that they came from um these these supermen coming from the 52 evil earths and he uses his reality punching powers to punch the the darkest night the batman who laughs what do you whatever you want to call him um uh, essentially, he he punches him enough to destroy the the evil Earths, and in doing so, he sacrifices the opportunity of having his his perfect Earth, where he's a hero and everything is good. Um, in a in a great section drawn by Paul Pelletier, um, he he makes a sacrifice and he and he seemingly dies, um, and no one knows that he did it. No one knows that he's the one who saved the day, except for Crypto. Um, and then we open up in a, um, an epilogue segment also drawn by, uh, Ordway, uh, with Prime back on his earth reading, uh, Death Metal Secret Origin. And, um, Lori comes to get him. She makes a funny quip about how comics come out on Tuesdays now. And, and uh, they the coloring is different now. <laughs> Yeah, the, the yeah. coloring is so different now. Um, uh, they go out for a walk, and um, uh, one of uh, you know some neighbor kids are playing and uh, run out in the street, and Clark heroically goes to save him and, and lifts an oncoming car into the air. Um, and we're left with the words, oh, well, maybe the story isn't over. I guess they never are, but maybe you should go outside for a walk, too. <laughs> It's just great. I love this issue so much. It was it was perfect to me. Zach, did you get major last episodes of Lost Vibes with Vincent the Dog going over to Dying Jack? Oh, I, yeah, that's good. That's a good call. I, I could hear the life and death theme playing in my head as I was reading that. That's a good call. This is also very much like a... Uh, not not necessarily like a reverse, but maybe an inverse of the the Superboy Prime Blackest Night story, which also featured him going back to Earth Prime, but yes. ended on a very dark note, whereas this ends on an extremely hopeful note, um, which I thought was an, a, a lot of fun. We've said this before, but it's wild this comic, comic exists. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, there's, there really isn't a point to it. Uh, other than just, hey, let's tell a fun Superman Prime, Superboy Prime story. Like the death metal is becoming the like repository for everything that any creator wants to do right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome. Like, yes, it is. Fantastic. Yeah, it's um, man, this was wildly good. And if you'd have asked me 
I, I always err on the side of like, I don't need mm, a very detailed origin of things, you know? Um, I don't need a lot of exposition. I don't need stuff explained for me. I, I, I care about where the story's going. So if you were to just tell me that this is going to be an entire issue that's just the origin of Superboy Prime, I probably would have rolled my eyes. What I actually read was like one of the best issues of DC Comics I've read, I think, since DC Rebirth started. And the best thing Johns has written in I don't know how long. And I don't know how much of this is Johns and how much of it is Snyder, but like this feels a lot oh, like Johns. It does. It does. It does. I just want to give everybody their due. And, and you know, we, we don't know. We don't know how much was what, but but it does feel it does feel like Johns. He's like the Superboy Prime expert at this point. Um, but just every note in this thing is perfect. There's there's not really a misstep here. And and it could be really easy to, to take a, a false step, I think, with a story like this. And just from the way that it artistically honors like the stories of the past versus the present and plays on his history going all the way back to um, Crisis on Infinite Earths and just everything. Every bit of this was like exactly what you want from a Superboy Prime story and covers the entire span of whatever his deal is you know there's even the bit with the teen titans um there's like a flashback to that right to the john's yeah, titans. Uh, yeah. It, in infinite crisis where he killed a lot of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah it just it, it it covers so much ground and it it stays true to itself it it's tells a very like again a very emotional and heartfelt story about this relationship he had before he was plucked from his earth. And then the, those final pages, like taking him back to that. And then the way they play out with like, like, I love the fake out. I love the fake out where it's like, Oh, you don't Clark, you don't have powers. You never flew away. You know, that's just that. It's just that goofy joking you do. And then he steps in front of the car and he does the cover of action comics. Number one. <laughs> and yeah. Like, like, not only does that work as a, a nod to something from DC's history, but it works... I mean, they say it right there on the last page. Like, oh, I guess this story isn't over. Because they drop, you know, yet another mystery about who or what or how this character actually works right at the end before we may not see him for a long time, you know? It's... And that's what that's what superhero comics over decades can do, and I think that's it's, just so great. It's the, it's a, it's, yeah, I was gonna say it's the to be continued on the tombstone, you know. Yes, it's just like that. It's it's the it's the DC, it's the classic DC never the end. Uh, it doesn't say that I don't think I don't it doesn't say that on the last page right never the end. I don't believe so. No. But, you know, so no, many stories doesn't. end with that never the end thing. Yeah. And it's, it, that is, it is what it is. And, and it's a beautiful example of that. Yeah. Yeah, so much yeah. fun. Just, just a, a wonderfully fun story that has no real purpose, but 
is all the better for that. I love the fact that they it, decided this was worth it. Yeah, it explains how all the Earths are going to be gone in like Death Metal number seven. Yeah, it's just, it, it it's does waving them like, away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of like how a lot of the one shots have like done small, small, you know, uh, plot beats to explain something happening in the main series that right. won't get touched on. You know. Yeah. Um, like the antennae in the in the. Uh, multiverse multiverses in one shot mm-hmm. yeah yeah well folks, um sorry go ahead vince oh nah you go ahead i i don't really no 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 i, I was gonna, i was gonna wrap up so go ahead yeah no wrap up i don't know i don't it wasn't it's fine i can't imagine it's not it's not it's not additive i can't imagine that be the case but it's okay it's just me slobbering on this thing again no, no i was just gonna slobber. I was just going to say the the art team for as disparate as it is, because I think there's like, well, Zach mentioned them, but I think there's like four or five artists on this thing. It, it really doesn't feel like a, like a mishmash. I mean, you have the purposeful Ordway, like the choices they make are very purposeful and there's nothing distracting about it. You know, generally you don't want this many artists on one story, but I, I think it works pretty well. Yeah, I think I think what what they did that what they did that was very smart was each artist very clearly had their own section, mm-hmm. and so because of that, as long as the art within each section felt natural, you didn't mind the changes so much. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, that will do it for this episode. So in the coming weeks, you're going to hear our our next part of the death metal discussion. You're going to hear our discussion of Final Crisis, which I think already came out before this, but I'm not entirely positive. Um, <laughs> it's, again, calculator, calendar, etc. Um, and then we're going to start with Future State on uh, January 5th is our first episode of Future State. So read all those comics so you can come chat with us about it. You can find two-thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And I am at Wilker Fox. You can find Vince furiously searching the phone book for Clark Kent's in his area to see if he can find Superboy Prime in Minneapolis. He's here somewhere. We all he he is. We all know. Maybe he's in Lakeville. (laughs) Maybe he's in Lakeville. Uh, Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Guess, do not look this up. Okay. What is the name of the current Yakov Smirnoff show at Yakov's uh, Theater? Uh, Yakov Smirnoff. <laughs> well, I know, I know he's a, a reactionary Republican. Of course he is. So it's gotta be a play on Trump. May. It's it's got to be like a MAGA thing, but it's not MAGA. But it's like, what is it? Make America funny again, or make, or is there like a political correctness? So, so you're you're not necessarily wrong. Okay. But but you you got to think a little bit broader than that. Okay. So if is you would, is it a, is it a Yakov Shmirnov pun like 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 in Soviet Russia? No, I I America, thought it was. <laughs> what? I, I thought I would have guessed that I would have guessed it would have been like in Soviet Russia um, 
you kill COVID, right? Something like that, but it's 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 not. The name of his show is Laughter Vaccine Kills COVID nineteen. <laughs> 